Welcome to the Word of a King podcast. It's where culture clashes with our calling, where preaching is more important than popularity, where we rightly divide and properly apply the scriptures, where we put to rest common and controversial issues. We do this by looking to the Word of a King. The key to understand the Word of God is for the author to show you what the thing says. If you understand that book, you get for the author. Then he opened their understanding. Amen, amen. Welcome to another edition of the Word of a King podcast. And we are doing our first actual live podcast. And so we ask you to just bear with us a little bit as we try to work out all these technical issues. But we are glad that you are joining us this evening. So if you would, and you're watching and enjoy the Word of a King podcast, why don't you go ahead and like and share. I'm going to do it the same thing myself, just so uh, we get the word out. So just give me just a moment. If you would like and share the video, we'd appreciate it. And... Brother Brian, it's a blessing to have you, uh, as always, on this uh, podcast. So why don't you talk away while I figure out what I'm doing? <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about the fundies, some of their failures, some of their faults. And the main thing is uh, kind of a concern we have is the cozying up of the Bible-believing crowd, the Ruckmanite crowd, whatever you want to call us, with the fundies. Now, the fundies got some stuff good, the fundamental IFB churches, but they got a lot of... Um, a lot of emphasis, a lot of, a lot of things that they're into that aren't biblical, extra biblical, and it's just not a good spirit. It's not a good leaning that they're doing, and we see it creeping in with some of the once diehard street preaching, rough, rude crowd. That uh, not that you got to be that way, <laughs> but uh, they're kind of cozying up to the fundy crowd, and it's it's not good fruit. So that's kind of what we're going to talk about and look at, and different issues with that. Some things we see that kind of warn you about yeah absolutely so you know this is a continuation of our series on hypers ruckmanites and fundies and <laughs> to be honest with you brother brian uh, i know we discussed this a little bit and i talked to some other friends some other pastors and and uh, i wasn't sure if we were going to do this podcast or not um just because our goal our purpose is not just to make enemies um but i'm sure after this podcast is over well, I'll probably lose some friends or maybe close some doors, but that's okay. We want to, mm. we want to address some things that we believe are important. And so, yeah, as you mentioned this, this evening, we're going to be talking about fundies, uh, their failures and their faults, and just kind of some things that we see creeping into Bible believing churches. And, uh, so later on this evening, we will I'll be taking some comments and some questions or whatever you want to put. And we appreciate those that are watching. Sister Valerie is watching and Sister Tammy's watching. So praise the Lord. We got a little indicator Amen. up here of who's watching. Uh, Brother David Burkhead, he's a, a blessing and shares a lot of our podcasts and preaching. Brother David, thanks you for joining us this evening. And uh, again, just uh, if you have not had a chance, go ahead and like and share. But uh, 
Why don't we go ahead and dive into this subject, Brother Brian, and again, uh, later on, we'll let some people join, and then we'll try to get some live feedback, maybe some questions or comments or people's experience in uh, fundamental Baptist churches. And that's what we mean when we say Fundy, uh, IFB, Independent Fundamental Baptist Churches. And uh, so we want to just kind of address some things. Um, I always say this, and I've been striving, and I know the men of the church have been striving at Lighthouse uh, ever since I've taken over um, for uh, six years now, but a church has a culture, um, and a Bible-believing church has a culture. It's a spirit, it's a culture. When you walk into the church, you, you interact with the people, you listen to the music, you listen to the preaching, you'll know pretty quick if it's a Bible-believing church or if it's a fundamental Baptist church. And um, just maybe any general comments, brother, you know, you, your experience uh, from coming from Fundamental Baptist Church to Bible believers, any, anything just in general you want to mention in regards to it? Uh, without getting specific issues, uh, yeah, like you said, a different spirit. And I was talking to a, a good friend of mine who goes to a, a good Bible-believing church, but they're kind of creeping in toward the funding and they got a few things. And he was asking me about it and I said, I mean, I can give you specifics, I can give you some verses, and we're going to give you some some things that are pretty clear in the Bible. But I said, you got to go down go down to like Pensacola when Dr. Ruckman was there. I'm, I'm sure it's the same with Brother Donovan. Sure. You got to go down there for a few months or a year and then go back to your church that's kind of fallen away a little bit. And you'll you'll see what I mean, brother. It's, it's a spirit. It's it's just the overemphasis on some things, not to, not to ruin the topics, but overemphasis on certain things that the Bible just doesn't put that much emphasis on or even talk about. And it's, it's just a, a wrong push, a, a wrong emphasis, wrong motives. Yeah, just things like that. It's just different spirit, like you said. Yeah, and so that's kind of what we're going to talk about first. Let, let's talk about just kind of the culture that I've noticed in fundamental Baptist churches. And, and what I mean, the culture, I'm just talking about from the moment you walk into the door to uh, the way they lead singing to even the music. And Brother Brian, what, I, what I've noticed is in these fundamental Baptist churches, there's an emphasis on the outward. There's an emphasis on making sure everything is beautiful from mm. the building uh, to the moment you walk in and you know to the greeter, to the carpet, uh, even all the way to the service, you know, everything is so professional. Everything is so on cue. And um, it's just that culture that I sense of more of a professionalism than it is the emphasis of the word of God or ministering to people. And, and again, listen, I, I know this is a broad brush and I'm sure there's wonderful fundamental Baptist churches out there. What we're talking about is the spirit that is creeping in, that has crept in for some time in fundamental Baptist churches, and now that is starting to creep into Bible-believing churches. And that's just that over-emphasis of professionalism. And so kind of what, what do you sense that same thing, brother, when you get into these <laughs> fundamental Baptist churches, that it's everything has to be perfect. Everything is choreographed, many times and we'll get into that by the from the top from the pastor himself he'll tell you how many songs to sing he'll tell you the invitation song he'll tell you how long not that necessarily any of that is bad or he shouldn't do that but he's got to run everything everything has to be to the exact 
specifications of what he wants. And what it does is you lose that looseness, that freedom, that liberty, that spontaneity, that praising God. We were just at Brother Sluter's and people are running around and, and they, they do that down in Pensacola. And I know sure. other places too, where you're just so happy, you're just going to shout. They probably don't do that in those kind of churches because that's not controlled. and Everything has to be just so controlled and rigid and professional and such an emphasis on appearance when, and we'll get into it, the Bible does not put that emphasis on appearance. Right. Not that we should all be slobs and not shower for weeks or anything. I mean, we're not, we don't do that, but it's just an overemphasis and it's, it's a different spirit. And it's, there's, I have a name for what the spirit is, but we'll get into it later. I know what that spirit is. Sure. <laughs> yeah. And, and, uh, we'll leave that to the conclusion because we've discussed a little bit and I, and I really think you do, you've hit the nail on the head when we talk about this, you know, the overall spirit of it and what's going on. But uh, again, I, I don't want to swing so far the other direction. We, we believe in doing things decently in order. And I also believe, as Colossians 3.23 says, and whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. And so there's nothing wrong with trying to do your best. There's nothing wrong to make sure that, you know, you're coming to church, you're trying, coming to worship God, that you look like you are and you're not you're not there to go to the beach right we're right. not insinuating or suggesting by any means yeah we're against out. that right we're against the churches that they were right t-shirt and jeans and correct glass see-through pulpit or whatever right and and, and so that's kind of what i want to leave the viewers and listeners with it's not that we're against standards or or even the fact that whatever we do we need to do it heartily is under the lord but what we are against the spirit of professionalism. It feels like you're walking into an auditorium that you just paid to get into with tickets and you're sitting down and you're waiting for the show to begin. <laughs> and, and that's how oftentimes I feel at these high churches and it's just like everything is pristine. And, you know, the, the, we'll talk about our transition to music here in a moment. And it's a good transition point, but you know, the song leader gets up and everyone's on cue when to stand and everyone's on cue when to sit. And you know, they're taught how to stand yeah. when to smile. Yep. And, and, and again, it becomes such production. It becomes such professionalism. And I do believe that's a danger. And I believe it creeps into Bible believing churches, but maybe, maybe uh, talk a little bit about, your experience uh, or just some things you've heard or know in regards to music. Again, this is a big telltale for me, Brother Brian. When I go and I sit in a church for the first time, there's there's music is spiritual, music is powerful, and there is just a different spirit when it comes, if I'm sitting in a Bible-believing church, <laughs> when they open up the hymn book and they sing, Arise, my soul, arise, or nothing but the blood, Versus if I'm in these really high fundamental Baptist churches where everything's professional, I'll be honest with you. In those churches, I don't even know if it's right to say amen, <laughs> right? Because you don't want to interrupt yeah. the production. Yes. That's how I feel. Mm -hmm. And I think that's wrong. But anyways, just some thoughts on music. Yeah, I remember uh, Dr. Rockman told a story when he was at Brent Baptist, which was like the 60s before he went to Bible Baptist in, uh, in Pensacola. And he said... Uh, some of the women said something to him and got on him. And they said, when our girls are up there singing, your, bo your boys, your preacher boys are running around and we don't like it. They're, they're interrupting their performance. And he's like, well, I'm sorry, sister. I thought we were praising the Lord. And yeah. ex exactly, that's it. And I'll give you a thing I heard. Hugh, I've only heard Hugh Pyle preach one time in my life in, in a recording. 
and he's the one that led Dr. Ruckman to the Lord. He was in the sword of the Lord crowd, yet he was friends with Dr. Ruckman. I, I, the sermon I heard was at a blowout. So I guess to some extent he was friends with Dr. Ruckman, even though Ruckman was Ichabod or <laughs> he was icky and nobody, sure. the sword crowd didn't like him. But he was talking about the music at a, at a blowout in Pensacola, Florida, Dr. Ruckman's church, where people scream and, and holler and throw hymn books and people run the bases. It's just a great, it'll kind of, first time I went from, I was at a Fundy church, still going there. First time I went, it kind of freaked me out, but I love it now. It was awesome. It's awesome. But it, you know, it's, it kind of freaks you out a little bit if you're not used to it. And um, he said, do you know what the difference, because he's been a lot of Fundy churches. He said, do you know what the difference between spiritual music and the professional music or music that's not praising the Lord. He said, there's one word, and I thought it was so profound, applause. There you go. There's your telltale sign. Yeah. If it's a performance, if they're up there, everything's choreographed, and though Jesus steal our confidence away. Yeah. And they're looking at each other, and the girls' groups are smiling. It's fake. It's plastic. That's what right. the world makes fun of that stuff. Right. That's a performance. And, and when people applaud afterwards, yeah. that's... I used to watch, now and then I'll watch like Southern Gospel and Gaither and all them. I think it's entertainment. It's not that spiritual to me. Like sure. maybe I'm wicked for watching, whatever. But to me, it's entertaining. They're very skilled musicians, but they're just performers. Then when they're done, like the one guy gets up and he's just got this great voice and everybody's clapping for him. Are they clapping for Jesus Christ? Of course not. They're clapping right. for the guy. Right. I've been a lost, I've been lost, obviously, like everybody, but I've been a concert and everybody's screaming and cheering and clapping. You do, the world does that. You do it. For a performance, you, they're not praising the Lord, and that's what it is. It's professional. It's a show. It's everything must be just right, and it's that's not the spirit of the Lord. Yeah, no, absolutely, and and I think that that's what we're trying to convey. In you're right. I mean, everything from like how they hold the microphone, right, yeah. and like you said, how they face <laughs> the congregation, and you know when to smile and when to pull it away, and it becomes such a show. And for me, it's a complete just turn off it just to me just kills the spirit and yeah and again i i just can i even say amen during this or is someone going to get upset am i going to interrupt and you know that just over professionalism is really hindered uh good churches i believe and some of them again they love the lord and uh but i think you know if they would step back and evaluate why are we doing this and and why is there such an emphasis on professionalism Brother, and again, I know that people are going to disagree with this, and I understand there is a point to this, but some of these churches, you have to try out hmm. to be in the choir, you know, and again, I, I, I believe that, you know, God gives different gifts and callings. We've joked about this before. I'm not going to get up there and sing a special, and I know the Bible says make a joyful noise, but I'm not going to get up there and sing a special by myself because God has not gifted me in singing. And so I'm not saying that we shouldn't use any discretion in regards to, you know, who should sing and who should not. And I think there's a time and place, right? But a choir, come on. I mean, if you have a dear brother, dear sister, surely they can just blend in and be a blessing. Uh, yeah, maybe you don't want to put that person up there Sunday morning and sing a solo by themselves. And, you know, I think if that individual who struggled like me was singing, they would have to ask themselves, why, why do I have to be up there on Sunday morning, right? That's not my gift or my talent. Just the same way if someone doesn't have a gift or talent in teaching and they just struggle, you're probably not going to put them in Sunday school to teach the lesson every Sunday, right? So right. there's nothing wrong with recognizing gifts and callings and talents. But again, it's like they go over the top. 
nope, you can't hit that high note, so you can't be part of the choir. Yeah. You know, so I mean, really? Are they going to kill your professional choir because they can't sing professionally? And so again, that's just a spirit behind it, right? It's a spirit of it has to be professional. And I know some good brothers are out there going to disagree with that, but I just think, again, that type of thinking, that type of mentality just really kills the liberty in the church. It discourages people who want to serve God. And I would warn uh, churches, especially Bible-believing churches, not to go down that road about trying to be overly professional. Um, any more comments in regards to music? I know that's a touchy subject. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's all I got on that. Yeah, I, you know, I think um, in regards to, you know, just this over-professionalism, you know, uh, in regards to the time you walk in to the music, I really believe it creates this kind of culture, the spirit of just a worldliness of like keeping up with the Joneses, right? Like they're the talented ones, um, you know, they're the well-off ones and they get up and do this instead of just serving God as a church family with the right spirit, with humility. Um, and, and anyway, so I just think it leads to the wrong spirit. Um, I think compounding that is this overemphasis of the man of God worship. Mm. And I know for mm -hmm. sure that we're going to upset some people by this conversation, but it's a conversation that needs to be had. I, I think there's nothing more nauseating than a preacher who has to tell everyone they're the man of God. Listen, brethren, if you got to tell people you're the man of God, newsflash, you're not the man of God. <laughs> Uh, if you got to demand people follow you, then you're not what I believe God wants you to be is the preacher. And again, without going too far the other direction, I understand being a pastor, what Paul talks about, about the cares of the churches upon him. And, and Brother Brian, as, as much as I love you and you're a blessing to me, I know you don't understand that, right? Because you don't bear that burden. And there's things even as associate pastor that... I thought I understood until I became the pastor. And so I'm not minimizing the calling. I'm not minimizing the duty. I'm not minimizing the office. Uh, I believe wholeheartedly, as Paul wrote in 1 Timothy, let the elders that rule be well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in word and doctrine. And so I'm not saying go so far where you don't respect your pastor or preacher or appreciate or love them. But this overemphasis of the man of God thing just is nauseating. And I think it's permeated the fundamental Baptist church. And, you know, you have to make an appointment with the man of God. And I understand there's a practical side. Churches get busy and, you know, men are busy. And so, yes, I'm not saying making appointments bad, but it's like if he walks in the room, you got to stand up and, you know, you're supposed to be in awe of him and he's supposed to be this mysterious person in your life. And I just don't see that according to the word of God. But um, I've been kind of rambling a little bit because this is a real a, a sore spot for me when I see these preachers and uh, what I believe is they're taking advantage of their position that God's given them. But what's kind of your general thoughts on this man of God worship? And what, what's some experience or maybe things you've seen? Um, what, what's your thoughts on that, brother? Yeah, I agree. And obviously the roots of that are not 
Peter S. Ruckman or whoever yeah. the other people before him in the Bible believing crowd. That's, I mean, I knew Dr. Ruckman when he was older. I, I didn't know him, but I was at his church for five years, went to school, and he wasn't like that. Right. <laughs> he was nothing like that. That's the Hiles crowd. That's the, sure. that's the fundamental Baptist. Right. They run things. They tell you buy a house or not, who to marry, who sure. not to marry. If you should uh, put your money in this, put your money in that. They run everything. For me, I'm not a pastor. I've never been a pastor. I don't believe I ever will be a pastor. The way I look at it, we, we shouldn't worship the pastor. We shouldn't. Um, but we we should look at him. And yeah, you know, I'll just read you some verses. Sure. Paul, Amen. First Thessalonians 5, 12. We beseech you, brethren, this, people like me, say people that are members of a church, to know them which labor among you. That's, that's Pastor Chad Reese. And are over you in the Lord. Pastor Chad's over, over me in the Lord. And admonish you, and to esteem them very, very highly in love for their work's sake. Hebrews thirteen seven. Remember them which have the rule over you, and have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow. Then Hebrews thirteen seventeen. Obey them that have the rule over you, and submit yourselves. So if you're not a pastor, that's what your attitude. That's what I try to have my Amen. attitude. But the pastor's attitude shouldn't be. I guess they could look at those and say, everybody come to me, and everybody worship me, and everybody magnify me. Jesus Christ, the greatest among yeah. you, will be your servants. Paul was a yeah. servant. Paul, we don't treat the man, the pastor, like a servant, or, or we should exalt him and um, follow him and be kind to him and provide him money and, and be a blessing to him. Do everything we can to be a blessing to him. But on the other hand, the man of God right. shouldn't shouldn't want worship and shouldn't want this exalted position. Jesus Christ said, I've given you an example. He washed the disciples' feet and said, we should do that also. Philippians 2 said, though being in the form of God, he thought of not Robert yeah. to be equal with, equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. That is our example, especially ministers, sure. pastors, or position. And, and I know that Pastor Chad, he is like that. He'll stay and he'll work and he does all the... He'll stay hours after church. He'll meet with people. Nobody's, he's not saying you must all worship me. He, he does not have that mindset. He is a very godly, and obviously he's not going to say that. And he, he, he wouldn't think that. He doesn't think that about himself, but people in our church look at you and you, you have a humble mindset. You have a godly mindset, but we don't treat you like that. You don't expect to be treated like that, but we don't treat you like dog meat either. No, I mean, we don't go the, we don't go the opposite way and look down on the pastors or the, the people in the church. It's a balance, but we should treat pastors with respect we should esteem them highly in love they are over us they have a spiritual rule over us but the greatest among you are servants so yeah. that's what you're not getting in the fundy churches do you look at them guys and think they're servants sure no i mean and well, that, they're not that, servants right they're that, kings right and that's what's missing it's again they walk into the sanctuary and it's like all oh, the men of god has walked in and and, it, and again it's really it's it's hurt a lot of people and it's also led way to a cultish behavior where these preachers are not held accountable and uh, you know things are swept under the rug which is absolutely disgusting and you know they end up being what the bible warns against i mean the bible is very clear the job of the pastor the job of the preacher in First uh, Peter, I like uh, a lot, First Peter 5, 2, feed the flock of God, which is among you, taking the oversight thereof. So there is oversight. You have to lead. You have to make decisions. But it goes on to say, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. And then verse 3, neither as being lords mm. over God's heritage, but being in samples of the flock. And so 
they've went so far, and this whole culture of the man of God worship is went so far, they are lords over God's heritage. And, you know, I'm sorry, brother, but if you have to ask your pastor as a grown man or a grown woman, <laughs> can I buy a car? That's a lord over God's heritage. I, and again, I, I just want to balance here. I'm not saying that someone's maybe wants some biblical principle and they got some questions and, hey, uh, pastor, I got some choices to make. Could you give me some Bible and help me out? Sure, that's what the pastor should be there for. But not permission to buy a house, not permission to buy a car. If you have to ask your pastor before you do something like that, he is your Lord and he is not being a sample to you. And, and again, it's so out of balance. And again, this is what's led to the scandals in the fundamental Baptist churches. Uh, this is why the recovering fundamentalists are wreaking havoc in the IFB churches mm. is because everyone sees the scandals. Everyone sees the abuse uh, from these preachers. And of course, it's ludicrous and people make fun of it, which they should. Yeah. And uh, it seems like it's not a big deal. But I'm just saying this whole man of God worship is way out of control, but I see certain things will start slipping into Bible-believing churches, and they'll start getting that same mentality because that's where they get their influence from. Now, um, I probably could think of some examples. We're trying to be careful, uh, so I'll say it because I know I know um, you didn't want to, and I know. Uh, <laughs> I know, I know uh, some good brothers of ours who do this, and I'm not saying because they do this, they have this mentality. I don't believe they do. Just because we mention something and someone you may know may exhibit this particular trait doesn't mean they desire man of God worship. And everyone has soul liberty. I'm just giving you examples of how these things creep into Bible-believing churches. They affect Bible-believing churches and... Therefore, that man worship starts building up. Um, actually, I changed my mind. I'm not going to give that example. <laughs> but just know that an overemphasis of the preacher, of the man of God, and the overemphasis of you know his presence and you know his permission to do anything is not healthy for a church. I got a story. My wife's uh, my wife's brother, my brother-in-law, went to Hiles Anderson probably 20 years ago, 25 years ago. And he left, I don't know, maybe after a few days, a week, a month, something like that. He didn't stay long. And he said he's with, uh, I believe he's in his room with the other students and had his roommates or whatever. And he's like, they're just talking about Hiles like he's God. And he's like, you you guys are worshiping this this man. Something, what is wrong with yeah. you? And he ended up just dropping out of school and leaving. He's like, they worship that man too much up there. And I know from being a PBI, People call us Ruckmanites, and that, that's all fine and good. Sure. But almost everyone I know, not, there's one or two that they would wear cowboy boots because Dr. Ruckman wore cowboy boots or something like that, or they might try to talk like him or preach like him. But almost all the all the people I know, all the guys I know, didn't really, not that they looked down on him, but they he's old and he's kind of mean, or, or you know, he's, he's rough and rude, and they kind of made fun of him, you know, just innocent stuff. Like sure. in between class, he would eat popcorn and wherever he was 
eating his popcorn, you would know because it'd be a big pile of popcorn on the ground. And then in class, he'd be spitting out popcorn seeds and he'd get mad at the marker wouldn't work. And one time he threw it and it hit me and everybody's laughing. And I thought it was funny, but nobody worshiped Dr. Rockman. Right. Nobody's like, I must be like Dr. Rockman. We do it just goofing around. Sure. Like the so-called Ruckmanites. We, all the Ruckmanites I know and pastors I know are nothing like him. A lot of them right. you wouldn't even know went to PBI other than their doctrines or their, their King James only. But a lot of these guys, they're just producing clones. Sure. And I heard one story. He said, um, if I drop this pencil, you guys ought to fight fight over who gets to pick it up for me first. Or it was something like that. Yeah. I've heard several pastors tell that story. Yeah, and, and you know, <laughs> there's several examples like that. And again, that is just that is to me as a pastor, that's just nauseating to think if I drop a pencil, I'm gonna tell people fight over who picks it up first. <laughs> I mean, where is that in the Bible? You know, where is that as an example? Uh, to how to be a servant of God. In, it's in Revelation, the Nicolaitans, yeah. which things I hate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so without giving examples, because, you know, as I was talking, I was praying, praying if we should give any or not. And at least the one me and you talked about, we'll, we'll let go because I know good men kind of do some of these things, and that's fine. I, I would just say, listen, if you're a Bible-believing preacher, just think about the things you do and how you portray yourself to your congregation, the ones that God has entrusted you with to minister to. And brother, I, I, I'm sure this is the case for most pastors, but I love the folks at Lighthouse Baptist Church. I want to be that example. And so most things I do are to show that I want to serve them. It could be from going last in line for food or making sure that, you know, get out of people's way and just over top trying to respectful because I do want to be their servant. That's what God's called me to do. My life is to serve the congregation that God's given me. And so I think just how we present ourselves to how we, you know, interact with people, we just need to make sure that we have that humility about us, that humbleness about us, and yet be willing to make the tough decisions, yet be willing to take oversight when needed. And, uh, no one, you shouldn't have to tell anyone you're the man of God. Again, if you have to tell people you're the man of God, you're probably not the man of God. <laughs> um, I do like what this preacher said. I won't mention his name. Uh, he probably wouldn't mind if I did, but he gave me great advice. He said that uh, pastors need to realize that they're called to preach the word of God. Uh, I'm not an accountant. <laughs> you know, the day I got saved and, you know, put in the ministry, God did not say, now I want you to be an accountant too. So again, why would I sit there and demand people give account of me for their finances when that's not what my job is? I'm not an accountant. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a therapist. And so I, I would allow just to liberate some of these young preachers. Quit trying to be all these things. Quit trying to live up to the title of the man of God. Just love your people. Preach the word of God have some humility about you and learn to serve people. And it will go, you'll go a long way in the ministry that way. But it's just an overemphasis of the man of God, um, I think is, is really hurt the fundamental Baptist churches. But I see some of those things creep into the Bible, even churches. Yeah. And so, I know we have a smaller church, so it may not apply if you've got some huge church, which most people don't. Sure. But I know for you and some of the smaller churches I've been at, we, I go to your house for dinner. Amen. You'll have the whole, ch Pastor Chad's had the whole church at his house for 30, 40, 50 people that everyone was invited at his house for dinner. And we're singing together and he's, he's, he's just like us. He's not higher than us. Amen. And we do stuff together. He'll play basketball with us. And I know other, other pastors, brother Sluter will play basketball. Amen. Other pastors do not that you have to do that. Or you're not fulfilling God's calling as a pastor. Maybe you're 70 years old, so you're not going right. to do, but a lot of these pastors, 
not not to name names. I know some of them bigger bigger church than that. They're not like that. There's a select few that get to that's his buddies, and he sure. won't come down with the guy who's been saved six months, or the guy that dresses kind of bad or might smell a little bit, right. or the guy that's a little rough and might swear here and there. He's the man of God. He may not talk that way. He may still have all the right doctrine, but that's one of the signs. You're you're friendly. You're approachable. So was Jesus Christ. Amen. <laughs> you're not better than anyone, and I know nobody would think they are or say they are, but in practice, they kind of are. It's like they just have the select few people that they hang out with and they'll, they wouldn't, they wouldn't eat dinner with everyone. Like that's, that's how you are. And that's, that's a blessing. That's how you're supposed to be. But the man of God wouldn't do that to hang out with the peasants, you know, sure. the lowly people. Yeah. And, and, and again, it just, uh, sometimes I think these preachers, um, Maybe they were bullied <laughs> their their whole life. Yeah, maybe, maybe maybe they didn't accomplish anything. <laughs> maybe uh, they you know never could get their wife to submit unto them. I, I don't know what it is, brother. <laughs> something. But, yeah. Now something. you're playing psychiatrist. Yeah, I know, right? I better stop meddling now, right? Uh, but my <laughs> but point is, on. as soon as they get a little bit of power or perceived yep. power, they got to put everyone down. And and again, that's not a leader, and that's not a that's not a God called preacher. That that is. Uh, um, it's being a Lord over God's heritage. And again, it's unhealthy. I don't think it's what God wants us to be as preachers. And I would encourage my Bible believing preachers out there, just how, how does your congregation view you? How do you interact? And, and again, I know in the ministry, brother, I've been warned about not getting close to my people because I'll hurt you. And, and I'm just telling you this, I think that's wrong. I think that's bad advice because we're called to love them. In love, you have to be vulnerable. And I know I'm talking mm. psychology now, but if you're not willing to get close to people, to love them, to show that you love them, then I don't believe you ever effectively minister to them like you could if you do. And yeah, that may mean some pain will come. But uh, uh, you know, I'll state this and we can move on to a different subject. But this is how, and I know I said it already, this is how these scandals have occurred and these uh, fundamental Baptist churches and, you know, they get moved to a different church or is swept under the rug or anyone's afraid to say anything because they can't, you know, say anything against the man of God. Now, listen, if that man of God does something wicked, then he should be held accountable for it. And uh, so it's just, it's not a good thing. Fundamental Baptist churches, overemphasis of the man of God. So I know we kind of rambled on about that. Um, let's move on to kind of some other subjects and we'll save some time to uh, take some questions. Well, Brother Brian's been talking. I've been trying to find uh, where these questions are or comments are being uh, pulled from. I know they're coming in because I see Brother Gary Whitehouse's, uh, they want looks. And then Brother David, amen, amen, amen. Sister Tammy, amen. So I know they're coming in. I couldn't find what pages they're coming in. But uh, if you have any comments, questions about fundamental Baptist churches, maybe experiences you've had, feel free to leave the comments and we'll try to read some of them in a few moments if we can get it to work properly. Uh, the next thing I want to just kind of talk about in regards to the fundies is just their shallowness. So they're very shallow. I found, find fundamental Baptist churches as very shallow. And what I mean by this is, first of all, they're shallow because of the overemphasis of standards. Uh, I'll tell a story uh, just briefly without naming any names, but we had uh, some interaction with a pretty well-known fundamental Baptist church. I won't give any more details other than that, but uh, it really broke my heart. We uh, were at their church for a function. Again, won't mention what it was, but there was this young lady there, and she hadn't been at this church very long, and she was talking to my wife, and I was standing next to my wife, 
And uh, she said, uh, I'm so thankful that I'm here. I'm finally spiritual. And my wife said, well, what do you mean by that? You're finally spiritual. She said, I finally have standards. And I tell you, it broke my heart, brother. But this is a telltale sign of a fundamental Baptist church. It's an overemphasis of standards. And, you know, that's constantly harping on dress and constantly harping on the hymn line and constantly harping on, you know, men's attire and women's attire. And, and it's just a very shallow and it reminds me of the Pharisees who were mm. concerned with the outside yep. instead of concerned with the inside. And, and again, as I make this statement, we believe in standards. You know, Brother Brian, one of the greatest, one of the greatest blessings I've got is comments when we leave a conference from older preachers and they thank me. They said, man, your young men look so nice and young ladies, they dress like young ladies and it's so refreshing to see. But brother, how often have I even preached on standards? Zero, I think, <laughs> since I've been here. Right. So my point is you can have standards without the overemphasis of preaching on standards week after week after week. And the, the sad thing is, brother, men that love the Lord, women that love the Lord, they think that's good preaching. They think it's man, he's taking a stand and he's preaching on women's dress again. Like that's something, yeah. you know? Yeah, I've been there. I've been in churches like that. And, uh, they, so, get, they get roaring. Yeah. So anyway, what, what's your thoughts just in regards to, you know, uh, just overemphasis of standards? Yeah, I think it goes along to our original point. Standards have to do with what? How you look, which is appearances. And that's that spirit, that yeah. same spirit. Can I name what the spirit is? Yeah, I don't go know. For it. I don't yeah. know how, when I'm getting yeah, into no, my, go, go my laundry it. list here. Yeah, go for it. But one of the signs for me that I have is... And we're talking about Fundy Church, but we're also talking about how it's creeping into the Bible-believing crowd. And if you're a Bible-believing church, you got all the doctrine right, and you're Bible-believer, all that kind of thing, but you're kind of cozying up. This is one of the telltale signs, but it's an effeminate spirit. Women are very, 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 and it's a good thing. It's okay, but women aren't preachers. It's an effeminate spirit. Women are very concerned about looks, about appearances, and that's what that is, the professional thing. I don't know, maybe the the preacher's wives are running the show or they, I don't know what's going on or something. It's yeah. just a different spirit, but that's an effeminate spirit. And if, right. if you're a woman, that's okay to have an effeminate spirit, but that spirit is creeping in the churches with everything's professional and the specials must be just right. right. And they got to sing all this certain kind of music. And we don't sing this kind of music and we don't want the men uh, preaching and whether they're very, I don't know if we're getting into street preaching, but they're very anti street preaching yeah. or, or they start falling away from street preaching. Sure. The pastor quits street preaching. They don't promote street preaching. Why? Well, that doesn't look good, right? Exactly. I don't know. Maybe they would close their church for COVID because it might not look good uh -oh. in the community because there's lots of verses that say we should, we should worry about what the community thinks about us, you know, yeah. but and, <laughs> it's and, an and effeminate right. spirit about appearance, appearance. Of, it's an overemphasis on appearances. Sure. No, hundred percent brother. And that's, that is exactly it. It's they're so concerned with appearances. And, and again, I think what it is is if somebody who didn't live up to their standards walk in their pews or the, you know, they interact with, you know, the preacher or the preacher's wife, it almost seems like they would taint the church, right? Because it doesn't appear good anymore. Yeah. And uh, so, no, I, and I think you're 100% right. I think that spirit of that professionalism, everything perfect. It's got to look good, and therefore, nope, we don't support street preaching. Don't stand on the street corners because that's not 
feminine, then you know that's masculine, and preaching's masculine, yeah. and taking a stand is masculine, and so this professionalism definitely is a feminine spirit, and it's prevalent in the, the this day and age that we live. Um, so you I know think what you're 100% is, right. What else is an effeminate spirit? Which obviously it's from God. Overemphasis on family. Yeah. That's an, that's more an effeminate spirit. Sure. Because that's how God made a woman to want to have kids and to want to be kids. And that's what they're supposed to do. Titus 2, I would that the younger women bear children, guide the house. First, yeah. Tim, first Timothy 5, that's, that's yeah. an effeminate spirit. But that's not... If you're preaching in 52 weeks, you got 20 weeks, you're preaching on family and family series and family conferences and family, family, family. We're all for families. Right. <laughs> Praise Amen. the Lord for families. Right. But I mean, give me some verses in the New Testament. There's a few. Yeah. There's not, not as much as they're preaching. Like they act like there's 48 chapters or 50 chapters. or that's all Paul wrote about was the family. Just a very little. Sure. And, and again, so I hope uh, our viewers and listeners are understand what we're saying. Again, we're not against the family. I, I've said recently from the pulpit, the local church can only be as strong as the family is. And I believe that wholeheartedly. But the point is, it's it's all this spirit and focus on the family. And, you know, it's all about how we make our church look. And and again, so it's, it's very shallow when you just focus on standards. You know, we got some uh, questions rolling in. So gentlemen, just stand by. We will, uh, we will get to them in just a moment. Um, kind of wrap up some of these other things and make sure we leave time to interact with you all that took time to leave some comments. Uh, but so, yeah, again, I'll, I'll tell this story and uh, uh, I, I don't think he would mind me mentioning. So uh, I'll mention Brother Matt. I appreciate Brother Matt. He's uh, uh, on. He's left a comment. I'll get to it in a moment. But um, I remember at our awake conference, Brother, um, and... You know, I asked the preachers if when they preach, if they would wear a tie. And Brother Matt had, it was visiting and he's a blessing. He's been a blessing to us there at Lighthouse. And um, I don't want to speak for Brother Matt, but he's out of a good Bible believing church and they probably just do things differently, which praise the Lord, every church has that, uh, you know, they can do it that way. But um, I remember when I mentioned to him about that, he didn't have any problem at all. I had a good spirit about him. He went and borrowed one of my ties, put it on and preached. And and again, so again, I'm not saying you can't have standards. And I think each church has the sole liberty to do things as they want. But we're saying the overemphasis of standards. And these standards make you spiritual. Listen to me. The Pharisees had all types of standards. Yeah. And they were lost. So the Amish. Yeah, the Amish have all types <laughs> of standards. More standards than whoever's watching this. Yeah, and they're lost. And they're lost, yeah. But the point is, <laughs> don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, but just don't think that makes you spiritual. And, and don't think you know having standards makes you anything. No, how about you just live up to the Bible standards, a modest apparel, a, a, a spirit about you that is not self-righteous. And uh, so some of these things have crept into Bible, even churches too, just the overemphasis. Uh, so not only do I think it's shallow because the constant harping on dress standards will quickly hit on these, and then maybe I'll get to some of these comments and questions. Um, I think they're shallow saw in their preaching. Uh, Fundamental Baptist churches, they basically have four topics. It's salvation, church attendance, tithing, and standards. And, you know, they rehearse those messages over and over and over again, no matter what the text is, it's going to be salvation. Listen, if you're preaching to your people week after week after week, why are you preaching salvation every Sunday? Well, part of this, I can tell you why, is 
The church has got everything backwards and out of order instead of teaching your people for them to be ambassadors for the Lord Jesus Christ, instead of uh, you know, encouraging them to fulfill the ministry of reconciliation. Now it's simply bring lost people to church and the pastor will preach to them. Now, again, I'm not against someone visiting and they getting the gospel preached to them, but I'm telling you the purpose of the church is to edify and build up his body. And so that's why there's this overemphasis of salvation every Sunday. <laughs> and then if it's not that, it's church attendance. If it's not that, it's tithing. Yep. And that's a whole subject we can get into. And if that's not that, they rehearse about standards or they blend them all together. But I think this has led to very shallow churches. They're a mile wide and an inch deep. And again, this is why the IFB churches mm -hmm. had all types of issues when the Andersonites started coming in and splitting these churches because their people weren't grounded in the word. They didn't have... Uh, you know, they didn't have a grasp on eschatology and end times things. And I'm not saying it couldn't happen. And I'm not saying no Bible believing churches had issues, but none that I know of. Yeah. And we had some come through our church. And right. Wasn't, nothing. Nothing happened. No, nothing happened. <laughs> because when you got 11 men that are actively preaching and men and women that are taking institute and, you know, they're getting the word of God and they're getting more depth than salvation or church attendance, they can say, no, that's not right. But these Andersonite churches split fundamental Baptist churches. And I think that was a testimony of the shallowness of their preaching and the shallowness of their people not. Right. And they're teaching. Doctrine. And yeah, right. you just preach on four topics that is maybe one tenth of one percent of what the Bible is. And you ignore the other 99 percent. I got a story. The uh, Fundy Church I went to every February was called Stewardship Month. And every single sermon, I'm, I'm pretty sure, Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, was on giving. Not stewardship. It wasn't just giving money. It was mostly giving money. But it was um, giving of your time and just things like that. But I had a joke. There's this kid. There's two preacher boys. And this one kid said, my dad is such a good preacher. He can take one text and preach 20 different sermons out of it. And the other kid's like, that's nothing. My dad can take 20 different texts and preach the same message out of it. And so he was a fundy pastor. Sure, so. sure. There you go. And that's it, brother. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't matter where they're at. I mean, it's got to, all going to run back to those four subjects. And and again, I know very clearly I'm painting a very broad brush. I'm sure there's fundamental Baptist churches out there that feed their folks and, you know, they're getting the word of God. But I'm just saying as a whole with that broad brush, that's the problem with the fundamental Baptist churches. They're very shallow in their standards and it's all about standards, 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 and they're very shallow right. in their preaching. It's really simple. It's, and I know people go too far the other way. And it's, I know some preachers that never preach on giving. Right. And I think it's, this is crazy. Here's my philosophy on what you should preach on. If it's in the Bible, preach on it. If it's not in the Bible, don't preach on it. So is giving in the Bible? Yes, it is. So if you go through the whole New Testament and preach, you might mention it three, four, five times sure. in a whole year. Right. Is clothing in the Bible? Actually, it is. Yeah. There is some stuff on clothing, about three passages. Amen. <laughs> Just three, but it's in there. So if you're in the book of Titus, you can mention it. If you're in Amen. First Peter, you're going to talk about clothing. And it's okay, First Timothy 2, about women, modest apparel, Amen. not drawing attention. That stuff is fine. Women shouldn't be drawing attention sure. to themselves. So when you're in those passages, mention it. But there's not 500 verses right. in the New Testament. Huh? There's about six of them. Yeah. Same with church attendance and uh, giving and all this kind of stuff. If we go through the Bible and preach what's in the Bible, you'll be all set. You'll have the right balance. But 
they're overemphasis. Like we said, get in there, read your Bible or do you read your new Testament? Do you know what's in there? Then you should know what we're saying is not overstatement. Just way, way, way over overemphasis on things. God didn't overemphasize. Amen. Well, brother, what I think I would like to do is we're going to get to some of these comments and uh, questions. Okay. And I just got one more issue. No, no, but... that's what I'm saying. Then I'm going to come back at you at the okay. end to close out with kind of your nugget. Okay. That we discussed. And I think about the test, you know, uh, you'll, you'll pick up on okay. it. Okay. <laughs> statement. You know, you mentioned there's, you know, there's a, there's a word that uh, defines if it's fundamental Baptist church or not. Oh boy. Oh, you know what I'll it is. I'll have to tap into my yeah, tap into your memory. memory. I'm losing it. Maybe you're talking about me and brother DJ, but anyways, um, Judges 12 there, I think is. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Praise the Lord. Yeah, so okay. Well, I got one other thing plus that. Yeah. So, but I'm saying that's what I end with. So okay. you, I'll let you close okay. out with that thought and then Judges 12. Okay. Yeah. So some of, <laughs> some of the viewers already know where we're going to go Woo! now. But, uh, anyway, so let's, uh, let's get a little bit of feedback. Some of these are just comments. Some of these are questions. We're going to try to uh, go through them quickly. Don't so, be nice now. Uh, no, well, don't I don't be know nice. These nice. people don't be nice. They're all blessings. These no, are, these I'm are kidding. good I'm brothers. Kidding. Uh, all right. This is Brother David Schuler. Uh, this is, again, just I think some of these comments were while we were, you know, talking. And uh, this is true. This is a sign of fundamental Baptist churches. Divorces, uh, divorcees cannot preach, teach, be a deacon. And uh, boy, right. is that true. Yeah. Um, I like Brother Andrew Sluter's book. He wrote, Divorced But Not Demoted. And uh, that is a big thing. You know, uh, that's that's the unpartable sin for fundamental Baptist churches. Yet, as we know, Brother Brian, there's three reasons or three, you know, uh, qualifications that God gives for divorce. But nevertheless, that is one of those <laughs> I know. signs. I, my wife was in the Fundy Church for 30 years. That's where I met her. I got married when she was 30. And less than a year later, we went down to Pensacola, the dreaded divorce, three, two times divorced Peter Ruckman. So I got in an argument with some of the family members in that. And I think some of it changed over time, but... This is 19 years ago, 18 years ago, but yeah, they weren't too happy about that. Divorced pastor isn't qualified and sure. I used to go at it with them. <laughs> yeah. And again, I think that leans back to our overemphasis of the man of God. And, you know, he's this, you know, he doesn't well, sin. He's yeah, yeah. perfect <laughs> and he walks on water. Uh, bless God. I sin just like everyone else. And I, I need first John, you know, one nine in there, just like everyone else. And you know, I struggle just like everyone, everyone else. You know, God's divorce, right? Yeah. Yeah. Divorced Israel. He's justly divorced. He yeah. put away his wife. Amen. <laughs> All right. Let's see what else we got. Here's brother Matt. This is a good question, brother. And uh, let's see if we can get this to come up. All right. Brother Matt asks, he said, is there any verses to support that only a pastor can baptize a new believer? I know Brother Matt knows the answer to this question already, uh, but this is a great question to put out there. Um, you you want any input, Brother? You got soul liberty. I don't think Paul was a pastor of a local church. In sure. fact, I know he wasn't. So yeah. Acts 16, Paul baptized Lydia. Paul baptized the jailer in his house. Yeah. So uh, Matt... John um, the Baptist wasn't a pastor. Right? So no, <laughs> there there is no verse that supports that only a pastor can baptize. Uh, as soon as I read this, I, I was thinking Acts chapter eight with Philip, you know, uh, okay. Philip is not a, is an evangelist? a yeah, or definitely not a little pastor there, you know, so, and he baptizes. So no, um, matter of fact, uh, we uh, had brother DJ, brother DJ is a deacon in, in our church and he baptized um, his son. And, uh, you know, I do think there's certain things, obviously, that comes with 
the offices and responsibilities, and I think it is a, a tremendous um, you know, moment, and I don't want to make too lighthearted of it. Um, but I will tell you this, I'd be even so um, gracious if I had a father that really wanted to baptize their son, I would let him. I really would. Um, I, I, you know, I take joy in it as, as the, the preacher, as the pastor. Uh, but yeah, I would even let a father baptize their, their son. So no, there is no verse that says that only a pastor can baptize. It doesn't say either way, right? There's really no. nothing on it. Right. In Mark 16, Matthew 28, that was to the 12, right. to, the, to the 11. All right. So <laughs> moving on, next one. This is Brother Gary. See if we can get all this in here, Brother Gary. I don't know if it all will fit. All right. Why do some churches put more on teaching than preaching? And another question is why don't they want people talking about the King James Bible? Uh, well, that's uh, two great questions. Brother Brian, why don't you take this one? Put more emphasis on teaching than yeah. preaching. Yeah, the hyper crowd is nothing but teach, 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 teach. And then the fundy crowd is more preach, preach, preach. I would say because the hypers know the Bible pretty well, or at least some of the Bible, but because of their doctrine and just their lack of whatever motivation or spirituality, they don't put a lot of emphasis on preaching because that's just one of their faults. I don't think they, uh, they don't reprove, rebuke, exhort. It's just, it's just more of a teaching kind of study, study, study thing where the fundies, they don't really know a lot of Bible to be able to teach a lot of Bible. They know Bible stories and they can teach you Bible. They can teach sure. you facts about the Bible, things about the Bible, stories about the Bible. They can exposit David and Goliath or Naaman and the, the leper and uh, how he's a type of a sinner that gets saved. They can do that. But as far as rightly dividing and understanding Hebrews, understanding Matthew and the parables in Matthew 13, the seven parables and explain, they get in a lot of situations because most of the Bible is not written to the body of Christ that they just want to stick to the simple things and they're not going to teach you on the mysteries and institute. We're going through the mysteries, Amen. the 13 mysteries in the Bible or the seven covenants or the old covenant versus the new covenant and the different dispensations and all that, all the seven baptism and the seven judgments. They don't know anything about that stuff. So they can't really right. teach on it. So that would be my answer to that. Yeah. And I, and I think too, uh, this leans a little bit and I, like you, you pointed out, well, I don't know this necessarily a mark of, fundamental Baptist churches, although I'm sure there's some out there, but teaching is more soothing. Teaching is intellectual. It's about just knowledge and it's easier, right? I mean, even when I teach, it's different than when I preach, right? Oh, yeah. And preaching is much more forceful. And so uh, Brother Gary, maybe that's some of the emphasis why people will emphasize teaching more because it's, you know, it's not so much to reprove or rebuke. It's just, right. you know, you just get facts and knowledge and people can, you know, take that where if a preacher gets up there and points his finger at you and says, right. thou art the man. I don't know if I like that. Right. <laughs> Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. Yeah. And exhort is seen as positive, but in, in uh, Matthew 3, it said that John, many words did John in his exhortation. John the Baptist said, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Say not within yourselves, we have Abraham to our father. For God is able of these stones. Are right. Get down here and get baptized. Quit being wicked. The soldiers come to him. Quit exacting more money than is required. Quit doing violence to no man. And that's called an exhortation. Yeah. But preaching is to get a man to sh reprove, to show yeah. him you're wrong. You've been living wickedly. This is what the world is like. And don't be like the world. And God wants you to change your mind. You need to repent. You need to get to the altar. You need to confess your sin. You need to start li That's trying getting people to do something. Sure. Well, if you're a guy who's not really doing something, and you're pretty worldly and you're kind of lame and you're not, you don't ever street preach and you don't witness to people, you can't preach. Right. 
But if you don't know the Bible, you can't teach. So what you want is a balance and praise the Lord. We got yeah. Pastor Chatteris is, is a great blessing. He's, he's got a good balance with that. But yeah, I, I'm a teacher at Lighthouse Bible Amen. Institute and Sunday I think school, the Lord's, the Lord's gift to me to teach, but I'm not, I, I struggle with preaching. I can put an outline and, and like verbally or whatever, do a decent job, but it's, I don't know, but pastor, that's a special calling. Pastor Chad, he'll hook it up and he can teach a course, but he'll get up there and he'll preach and he'll reprove and getting people to the altars and get people to change their life. But that's the man of God for lack of a better word. There's not lack of a better word, but just kind of jokingly the man of God, but that's where well, you do need somebody to follow and somebody who's over you in the Lord, somebody you can look up to. And that's why I like Lighthouse Baptist Church. Not that there aren't other churches Amen. that I can look up to the pastor, sure. but I can look up to Pastor Chad and even Brother DJ and Brother Gary Amen. and Amen. and look at them. I, honestly, I look at a lot of guys at Lighthouse and in my heart, I'll think like they're, they're you know, if I get a little prideful or whatever, I think a voice comes to me and says, they're a better man than you. And I say, amen to that. There's a lot of men in our church that, that are great men of God that are holy, that get up and read their Bibles like brother Doug and not to call out people's names or anything, but people I look up to yeah, in the amen, Lord that example. I look at and say, I'm not, I'm not there. I don't have what they have, but that's, that's convicting. And my flesh doesn't like that. I don't like it. I'm admitting it to you. I don't, I don't care about that part, but um, our flesh doesn't like that. We want to just relax and, and just get by. But yeah. Yeah. And the other part of your question, brother Gary is why do they, people not talk mm. about the King James Bible is because I think it takes the authority from them. Oh, there you go. Versus authority where it should be. And it's the word of God. And uh, so obviously there's probably a hundred other reasons, but uh, I believe a Bible-believing church, this is the mark of a Bible-believing church. We say, check everything we say out with the Word of God. The Word of God is always right. It is the final authority, not the preacher. And a lot of the, not a lot, but some, sure, some of the fundy churches and certainly pretty much every other church that's not Baptist at least, and most of them aren't even right, aren't King James only. So these churches are about building churches and getting clicks and getting people and then rubbing elbows. That's that's all worldly political garbage. But that's what a lot of these churches are into. So maybe some of them aren't as strong on the King James, so they probably don't want you talking about the King James. We don't want to rub someone sure. the right way or certain Christian college, you know, that kind of thing. Let's go on to the next. Chip, Brother Chip is a blessing. And uh, Brother Chip is a student of the Word of God. He's helped me out many times back and forth reading his stuff and even messaged him. Uh, but let's read Brother Chip's question. Should Sunday morning service be used as a, as lighter in doctrine in order to attract visitors or should it be as deep as the rest of the services? Hmm. I think there's that's a great question there, Brother Chip. But, but I do think there's an error of going too far and saying, well, it's Sunday morning, we got visitors. And, uh, you know, we don't want to get into the deep doctrines. I, I think, you know, anytime when you're doing preaching versus teaching, uh, your preaching is a little bit harder to expound on those deeper doctrines. But I will say I probably don't try to avoid deeper things on Sunday. I, I'll try to incorporate them in my messages. I just won't have time necessary to go verse by verse and expound on them. But there is a, a point, I believe, where it's, you know, practically Sunday morning, it's preaching. As we said, there is a difference between preaching and teaching. But I don't think we go any less like on Sunday school. There's never been a limit, like don't teach on deep things on Sunday school because you may have a visitor. I, I'm thrilled by the deep things of God. I'm thrilled by doctrine. Um, and again, even in my preaching, I'll try to incorporate some things that will just get a hold of someone's heart and say, man, that was good. Or I didn't understand that or, or know that before. Um, but I think that might be a fault, Brother Chip, of some churches of just thinking, you know, they only need milk on Sunday morning. I think when someone walks into a Bible-believing church, that's what separates us as Bible believers. 
they come in and hear some preaching, but they also hear some good doctrinal truth that they yeah. didn't hear at, down the road at some big fundamental Baptist church. So I know I kind of beat around the bush and kind of went both sides, but I don't think there's an exact answer. But for me, I like good, deep doctrine, and I think it should be incorporated at least briefly or mentioned into our teaching and preaching uh, during Sunday morning and even Sunday school. I'm good to dive into the deep things in Sunday school. Brother Brian, any comments on that? No, I, I agree with what you said. I think you do a wonderful job of doing that. I know uh, Micaiah does a great job. Amen. Where Micaiah will preach a simple message. He's, he's a brother in our church. Amen. But he'll have all these great truths in there. And Rob Hickey's one of those. He'll get up and like I learned so many things from Rob, yeah. brother Rob Hickey, older gentleman in the church that preaches. And so yeah, that's a, that's a blessing. You can yeah. you can have a simple truth and you have simple point and you you are. A, a great preacher with having things organized. To me, that's the hardest part is preachers get up there and ramble on and you don't even know what they're talking about. Their points aren't, uh, they have nothing in common. They're not cohesive, but you'll have, you'll have three or four points that, that all match. And it's, it's very easy to follow, but then you throw in some meat, which right. it'll go over the lost person's head or the sure. guy that's has, it's got saved when he was 10, but hadn't been in church in 30 years. It'll go over their head, but you still always go back to the main basic milky point. Amen. So I, I think you do a good job of that. And I strive to, brother, and I think that's one of the challenges of all preachers because you'll have those that are just saved or, or maybe a visitor who's lost, and then you'll have those that are uh, aged in their walk. And uh, so you try to feed them, but also have it at a level where anyone can get something for it. So it is a challenge, but I was thinking back, even thinking of some examples. Like I try to do that with the judgment seat of Christ. I preached the message, but I also had a lot of doctoral truths in there. So uh, Brother Chip, hopefully that answers your question. But no, I think uh, they need the deep things, um, but also that it needs to be palatable. So when those visitors come in, so... Uh, let's move on to the next one. This was kind of already mentioned, but uh, Brother Jonathan Greenshield is a Amen. blessing. And uh, he just says, I also would like to hear the answer on divorces and preaching. So Yeah, we well, never did answer that. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you said the three Ds, but we didn't oh, answer yeah, from Gary ahead. Whitehouse. Go ahead. Jonathan Greenshield is the first preacher at Brother Sluter's conference. Amen. He Amen. tore it up, brother. Yeah, Amen. Blessing. Um, death. Yep. You're uh, allowed to remarry for death. Amen. Desertion. Yeah. First Corinthians seven says, "If the unbelieving depart, let him depart. A brother or sister is not under bondage." Same. First same. Corinthians seven yeah. allows for remarriage Correct. for death. It allows for remarriage for uh, desertion. What was the other D? Yeah, death, desertion, and oh, I don't know about D. It's it's fornication. Same the cause. Oh, okay. Yeah. What can it? Well. Yeah, fornication. Yeah. <laughs> so, Jesus Christ said, if any man put away his wife and marry, accept it be for fornication. Correct. He committeth adultery. Yeah. And, brother, and, and the first Timothy thing is really simple. A bishop must yes. be the husband of one wife. Correct. I think that means he can't have five wives at Amen. the same time. Yeah. I remember Dr. Ruckman, his first wife, left, both his wives left him. He was divorced twice, remarried third. He died, married to Miss Pam, got married like 1990, 1991. But... Um, he was first wife left him and Bob Jones Jr. I believe said that he needs to step down. He's not qualified to be a pastor. He's like, all right, well, I'll, I'll marry a wife and then I can be qualified. He's like, no, then you'll have two pastors. You'll have two wives. And Dr. Ruckman said, he's got to be the only president of a university that thinks that one plus zero equals two. Right. If your wife leaves you and you remarry, you do not have two wives. You have one wife. Amen. First Timothy is talking about having three wives, four, which right. is very common in the day. It's still common today in certain countries where people have five wives, 10 wives, like David and Solomon had multiple wives. That's what it's saying. You can't have a bunch of wives. 
you know, and again, I, I don't want to seem like I'm boasting, but it, it's like, you know, they'll take one part mm-hmm. out of First Timothy 3. <laughs> and, and again, they interpret it wrong, I right. believe, wholeheartedly. But obviously, a bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one, one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality. I wonder how many of these preachers are given to hospitality. We already talked about they're the man of God. Of course, they're not given to hospitality, right. and, and so they don't get disqualified <laughs> by that, right? And anyway, and so, it has qualifications for the wives, right? I mean, for the deacons' Deacon wives, wives, they must right. that would disqualify a lot of them people. Yeah. So, anyways, brother, uh, yeah. again, uh, it was Jonathan. It was a blessing to hear you preach. Keep in the book, amen, brother. Uh, keep studying the Bible's the final authority. You are a blessing. Hopefully, that answered that question. And let's look at some of these other comments. Brother Scott said, living by faith. And I'm not 100% sure what that's in regards to my wife's favorite conversation. Him. But uh, praise the Lord, living <laughs> by faith. Yeah, that's good. And that's what we need. Amen. Uh, I was going to say one more thing on the divorce thing. If, um, like I said to my wife's family, Dr. Ruckman has one wife. The two wives that left him 30, 40 years ago, they aren't his wives. He's not living with them. They, right. they, they're they not going out to eat together. That's not his wife. He has one wife. Right. So, Amen. And they, they misinterpret Romans 7. We wouldn't have time to get into all that. Sure. But if your wife leaves you or dies, you are allowed to remarry. Sure. You don't have two wives. Amen. Landon Dunn, very shallow. Yes, brother, I do believe a lot of the fundamental Baptist churches are very shallow. Maybe he's saying we're very shallow. Well, he could be. He could be, but that's okay. (laughs) I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. I like to do that with folks. These unedited live versions, you get... Yeah, you never Get know. Going. You never know. You can't edit going. me out. No, no. Oh. Amen. Brother Matt again, and uh, he commented, we appreciate you, brother. But Brother Matt said, amen. Thank you, brother, for the kind words. Lighthouse has been a blessing every time I've visited. Amen. Well, brother, I mean it wholeheartedly. Likewise, we appreciate your spirit, uh, your Bible knowledge. We love you and your church, and just a blessing to have you anytime you come. And so come back. Hopefully, we'll see you at the Wake Bible Conference at the end of June. Uh, some other comments here. Scott said, truth. And again, this is kind of the thing about, uh, you know, doing these comments as they come in. Something we said was is truth, so yeah. praise the Lord. All of it's truth. Uh, amen, amen. Uh, okay, there, Scott Scott clarified. He said, uh, he said a church, he said a church is called to live by faith. Yes, they are. All right, Brother Joseph he says, hi. Hi, Pastor Chad. Hey, Brother Joseph. How's it going? Hope all is going well for you. Um, Scott has a couple verses here. Uh, let's look at this one. I do like this here. And Scott said, Pastor Authority, false doctrine. Yeah, absolutely, brother. I think it's, uh, uh, you know, as Brother Brian said, there's a balance of saying there is oversight, there is, you know, uh, the Bible even talks about rule, but those are things in regards to the church and spiritual things. Um, pastoral authority has been way blown out of proportion, and now they think it's pastoral dictatorship or mm-hmm. lords over God's heritage. I can't emphasize enough that is not what God's called a pastor to do, but that doesn't minimize the responsibility. And, and again, I will say this. I don't want to be too hard on pastors because it is a, it's a huge responsibility. A burden most men will never know, and they're not supposed to know. Um, and but God's given that to the preachers. I love my fellow pastors out there. I pray for you. But God has called us to be servants. We are to serve those that God has entrusted us with. Um, let's see. Yeah, and go. if you're truly the man of God, which I I believe you're a man of God, for, you know, 
people won't treat you like garbage. They're not going to, Hey, pastor, pick up my, you know, it's not like the, people look up to somebody who is spiritual. So it's anybody who loves the Lord and, and sees a man who, who's a leader and somebody we can follow and somebody who can preach and somebody that knows the book and somebody who's a spiritual man and somebody gets out there in the streets with you and preaches and he'll, he'll hug you and go to the altar. I saw pastor lies going to the altar with some of the other church members and crying with them or laying their hands on them. That's a servant. That's somebody humble. People are going to follow that man. Now and then you get some whack job. that will come into church and maybe be mean to you, but we look up to them. We, we treat them well. So it's not, I think there's a good balance there. Yeah. Obviously we're not to look down on them and treat them like garbage, but also he's not everybody worship me and I'm the man of God and lift me up. He, that's not how it's supposed to be either. Yeah, and let me just echo that. The folks at uh, Lighthouse Baptist Church have been so good to me and my family. I mean, just a blessing. I couldn't ask for a better congregation, and they do love me and my family and my wife and children, and we see that every day. I could go on and on with examples, so I'm thankful for who God Amen. allows me to serve. Brother Scott Demick said this, you think that's why a lot of young people get out of church because all the preaching they hear is yep. standards, and they think that's all there is to Christianity. Uh, brother, I think you are spot on. And uh, this book, man, this book right here, what a book this is. Uh, but as Brother Brian said, you get in the New Testament, you got a handful of verses on, you know, dress and standards. And we're not saying, again, throw the baby out the bathwater. We believe in men looking like men, women looking like women. If you're going to get up there and preach at Lighthouse Baptist Church, we ask you to wear a tie. Um, not because it's in the Bible, because I'm trying to raise up and train up some young men that want to look like preachers, not look like, you know, some going to disco or going to, you know, the beach or whatever it is. But it, look, this tie doesn't make you spiritual. And I understand it's not in the Bible. But the point is, yes, I think the overemphasis of standards, 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 church attendance, tithe, 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 salvation. This book has got so much in it. The mysteries that God has. You know, one of the things fundamentalists hate is, for the most part, broad brush, I understand that, is dispensations and rightly dividing the word of truth. Brother, I love those things and the truth mm. that you, you see by, you know, dispensation. Since it's a Bible word, I don't understand how you, you know, think that uh, being a dispensationalist is not in the Bible. I'll tell this quick story. I had a, a family that was visiting Lighthouse Church. I'm sorry, they weren't visiting Lighthouse Church, a Baptist church. They were members of Lighthouse Baptist Church. And a very prominent, fundamental Baptist preacher called them and warned them about us. And here was their warning. They're dispensationalists. <laughs> Ooh, the, the D word. Wow. <laughs> you know, so I'll just say that family, uh, uh, they didn't last. They left. And I think uh, was the pressure uh, from some of the fundamental Baptist brethren. And uh, so they don't necessarily love me. I love them, though. Yeah. So uh, I was teaching on, in survey class. We're going through the book of Jeremiah. And I showed them with Baruch and Jeremiah and how the Jehudi took the scroll and Jehoiakim and they cut it up with a pen knife and threw it in the fire. And I show them the last verse of Jeremiah 36, I think it is. I was showing the class that Jeremiah took another scroll and then, uh, what was his name, the guy that did it? I'm sorry, I was reading the comment. It was Jeremiah and Bar uh, Baruch, right? Yeah, you're right. I think, yeah, Baruch. And so Baruch wrote, and it said there was added unto it many like words, and I showed them how... That's what we call double inspiration. And I said, Sluter, Brother Sluter did a podcast, and he's like, the three Ds, dispensationalism, divorce, and double inspiration. <laughs> That'll get you kicked out of the fundy, sure. the fundy churches. But that made me think of that. But how God can double inspire something. Yeah, like God can do anything except double inspire. So he couldn't do that to some of these people. 
But. Brother Mason, he wrote this. Any advice for Christians saved for four years on talking doctrinal issues with an IFB Baptist brider pastor? Seems like a lot of those IFB um, yeah, mo- pastors are briders. Or is it better not to get into doctrinal disagreements? Well, uh, I'll give you my two cents, and I'll let Brother Brian say whatever he wants on the issue. Uh, Brother Mason, I don't know the relationship you have with this pastor. If he's your pastor, then uh, you need to pray about just using wisdom. And as we talked about, um, you know, not coming off as trying to be disrespectful. I think, you know, anytime if he's your pastor, you should have the right to talk to him about spiritual things and doctrinal things. Uh, just make sure that you don't, you know, you're not causing trouble there. Um, if you're talking about just in a friend you have or online, uh, good luck, brother. <laughs> These guys are usually, uh, they already got their feet down and I don't know how much progress you're going to make, but I, I don't ever think there's a wrong to discuss doctrine. Doctrine, a lot of people want to not discuss doctrines because doctrine divides. And the Baptist brighter doctrine is an awful doctrine. And it's one that should be, you know, someone should say, hey, this is wrong because of this. Um, but but if it's your pastor, you know, do it in a respectful manner. Pray, do it in privately, and, you know, see if you can uh, make any progress. If it's online, like I said, good luck. If it's a friend, maybe, maybe you can make some progress. But, brother, any comments on that? Well, on the doctrine, I can comment. Yeah, go ahead. With a, a blessing I found is you take the word scripture, it occurs 53 times, and replace it with the word original and see how absurd it sounds, and you'll learn something. Take the word church. I did this. I taught on Briders recently, teaching on the difference between the local church and the body of Christ. They teach the local church is the body of Christ. There's no such thing as spirit baptism. You must be water baptized to be in the bride of Christ. The local church is the bride of Christ. That's what they teach. Look up the word church. Get a software, computer thing, concordance. Look up the word church, and every time you find it, replace it with local Baptist church because they say that the church is the local Baptist church. Replace it. You'll get all the ammo you need if if you're looking for ammo because I did that myself, and I came across a lot of stuff, and you'll see how absurd it is to say the local church is the bride of Christ. So just do that. Third John, just look up in third John, there's like 14 verses. And there's a verse that says diatrophies love to have the preeminence, or maybe it's another guy and he kicketh them out of the church. (laughs) Well, if the bride of Christ is a local church, then I guess, you know, they kicked them out of the bride of Christ or the body of Christ. And so, but yeah, just stuff like that. So it's a mess brother, but no, uh, like I said, pray about, you know, wisdom and dealing with that. But yeah, uh, contact brother Brian and give you some more contact me. If you need some more verses, we'd love to discuss those things with you. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, Doctrine needs to be discussed. Just do it in a manner that's respectful, and especially if it's your, your preacher, your pastor, I'm not encouraging you to cause trouble. Um, but all right, Sister Katie, and Sister Katie Hearn is such a blessing, and she's there at Brother Dilbert's church in Tennessee, and uh, we appreciate you, Sister Katie. But she says, how refreshing it was for me to grow up in a Protestant church, to go to a Bible-believing church and hear truth fully expounded. So refreshing 29 years later, and I'm still so very thankful to receive the teaching and preaching which I receive. I surely appreciate your podcast. And Sister Katie, you have the privilege to sit under one of the greatest pastors in all of the world, all that I know, definitely in America. I love Brother Dilbert. He is one of my examples, and I appreciate him so much. He's got such a wonderful spirit about him. But yet he stands and preaches the truth uh, week in, week out. Uh, Brother Jack there, the associate pastor, is such a blessing. And I love Trinity Baptist Church, and we appreciate your comments, Sister Katie. And praise the Lord for the book. All right. 
Brother Matt. Good said, interaction. Amen. Yeah, amen. Praise the Lord. So that would be a great topic for a whole episode. Brother Brighters. Matt, uh, maybe writers, uh, comment <laughs> back on which, which topic. Kind of talked about a few, but let us know. All right, let's see. Uh, a couple more of these, and then we'll go ahead and <laughs> we'll wrap up. We're at hour and 15 minutes. So um, the people must like it. They're engaged. Yeah, amen. It's a blessing. It's a four-hour live. Didn't Brother Sluter did 24-hour? Yeah, they did 24-hour. <laughs> uh, here's Brother Gary says, Brother Chad, I'll be preaching on continuing continue inspirations and types. Well, praise the Lord, brother. That's wonderful. Uh, here is a link uh, Brother Matt has. And this was an excellent talk with Andrew Sluter in a Baptist brighter. Oh, I accident. saw that. If it's the same guy, he's like yeah. tw in his twenties. I think that's when Brother Andrew just. It was a slaughter. Yeah, demolished him. That poor guy. Yeah. He seemed like a nice guy. I felt bad for him. Yeah, thanks for that link, there, <laughs> uh, Brother Matt. So yeah, check that out. Uh, let's see. Let's look at this. We'll take this last one that's came in. Well, there's a couple more. Uh, Tammy says, I love this broadcast. We'll put her comment up there in a moment. But let's see here what we have. Um, Johnny Ironside. That's I was cool talking name. to a Jehovah, Jehovah Witness, and he stumped me with Job 17.3. That days that... Probably John 17.3, that yeah. they may know the true God. Oh, yeah, okay. And, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, God is the Father and not Jesus Christ. What would be a good response, pastors? First John 5.20 who is the one God in the King James Bible. Thank you. Go ahead, Brother Brian. First John 5.20, be a good response. Yeah, John 17.3, Jesus Christ is praying to God, and he said that they might know thee, the only true God, and that I have manifested thy name. Yeah, JWs use that. First John 5.20, and we know that the Son of God has come and hath given us an understanding that we may know him that is true, and we are in him that is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God Amen. and eternal life. That's just one of... of probably 200 verses on the deity of Christ. Yeah. I mean, they're one Jesus Christ. When he was on the earth, he says, my father is greater than I, John 14, 28, the Johos will use that verse. They use John 17, three. Well, in a sense, he wasn't, he was different from God sure. on the earth as a man. He certainly was not God in that sense. His humanity wasn't sure. God. So that's what he's talking about there. And there's other verses like that where he hungers and he dies and yeah. God can't die and God can't get hungry. No, but the man Christ Jesus did. And he was tempted in all points like as we, so that's what I would say that verse would be talking about Titus chapter one. It talks about God, our savior. And then like two verses later, it talks about Jesus Christ, our savior. There's verses Hosea 13, four, there's a verse in Isaiah 45, 11. I think it's coming in my head that says there's only one savior, Jehovah talking, saying there's no other savior besides me. I know not any, but Jesus Christ is the savior. Amen. Acts 4, 12, neither there's salvation in the other. And I think brother, you, you raised the point, most of these objections or the question about the deity of Christ, they take verses uh, about the Lord's humanity, and he was 100% uh, fully man, yet 100% fully God. He was the God-man, like you brought up. He thirsted, he hungered. And God never thirsts, never hungers, but Jesus Christ did on this earth. And so that is the mystery of godliness, you know, that God was manifest in the flesh. So um, yeah, it's it's very simple. You have to compare all those verses. Uh, maybe we'll do an episode on the deed of Christ, and we can even do a live broadcast and take some more questions on it. But it's a good topic, um, one that we could definitely expound on more. Thomas said, my God, uh, what does he say? My Lord and my God. Yep. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, the Jews knew that Jesus claimed to be God. That's why they took up stones and were going to stone him because of his blasphemy. So yeah. um, three times. Yeah. 
John 10 says, because thou makest thyself God, John 8, 58, before Abraham was, I am. And they took up stones to stone him. John 5, same thing. That's why these Muslims who claim that Jesus never claimed to be God, they just don't know the Bible. Jesus did claim to be God. They just don't understand it. The Jews understood that he claimed to be God. Got another one there? Yeah, I was just going to say to know Jesus Christ is to know God the Father. And they're in that sense, they are exactly the same to answer that verse. But Colossians 1, 19, for it pleased the Father that in him, Jesus Christ, not God, not Jehovah, in Jesus Christ. This is after John 17. That in him should all fullness dwell. Amen. He's before all things, and by him all things consist. God the Father, Jehovah, gets honor when his son is exalted. Not when he's exalted, and not when the Holy Spirit's exalted. So that I've told Jehovah's Witnesses that. I'm not a Jehovah, so I'm a witness for Jesus Christ. Amen. And that's how Jehovah wants it. But, yeah. Praise the Lord. <laughs> all right. Two more. I was going to say one more comment, but Sister Tammy, I love the live broadcast. Well, we uh, appreciate you, Sister Tammy. I know Brother Brian does, and I do too. Yeah. And no. <laughs> she's a great blessing. It's my wife. Yeah, amen. Praise <laughs> the Lord. And uh, so we are thankful that you you enjoy it. We're glad it went okay for our first attempt. Yeah, I like great. this comment by Brother Joseph. Brother Joseph's a blessing. And he says this, Brother Brian. He said, Brian talks fast. He should make <laughs> doctoral TikTok videos. I've uh, never done TikTok. Uh, right. The, the reason is, obviously, you probably know they're like a minute or two minutes. And you get well, a bunch of information. I could do like several doctrines yeah, in Maybe, two maybe we'll do that, Brother Joseph. That's a, that's a great uh, suggestion. See, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong. The ones that aren't live, you do edit. I know that. And you have to edit them. But right. Don't you slow me down sometimes? Haven't you no, done that? No. Seriously, haven't? No. Oh, I I, I thought you did slow me down. No, and I, I wasn't don't. against it because I need slowed down. No, I only slow you down by maybe interjecting. <laughs> or I thought you slowed the speed. No, no, no. Okay. Didn't slow the speed. So. All right. <laughs> but uh, Brother Brian is a great blessing. Uh, I love watching him. Like if he, you know, if we're at a meeting or whatever the case is, and he gets called and he's like, all right, 10 minutes. And it's just like, <laughs> and Brother Brian just goes off. Well, and, how about the one when... Uh, Brother Gunther's, he's like, yeah. you only have five minutes now yeah. because there, was, there wasn't enough time to get all the guys in. He's like, I'm going to let all you preach, but you only get five minutes. Yeah. And I got like 60 verses out in five minutes. And and probably taught every doctrine no. in the New Testament. And old. No. Amen. Amen. <laughs> no, but it was good. I, I love Just it, brother. Good. Your blessing. And uh, so glad the Lord has you there at Lighthouse with us. All right. So what we're going to do is we're at a minute, uh, hour and 20, a minute 20, we're at an hour and 20. We're going to wrap up this uh, this uh, broadcast on fundies, their faults and failures, but I, I wanted you to give your last thought and then tie it in with the conclusion of what, what you talked about there in Judges. A separate thought from the Judges? Yeah, yeah. You said you had one other thing. Okay, the one other big, huge, this might be the biggest thing that separates a fundy church and then the fake fundy churches, the ones that are Bible-believing, once Ruckmanite, kind of Ruckmanites, but, but they're adopted. the first telltale sign. God bless America, land that I, that's it. Yeah. Patriotic hymns. <laughs> I don't come to church to worship and praise America. Yeah, That's yeah. the first thing. And Dr. Ruckman, and I'm just being honest, he might have went a little too far, but it was refreshing because like coming from a fundy church where they had Patriotic Sunday and Honor of Veteran Sunday, and they'll have these Congressional Medal of Honor winners speak who probably aren't even saved. They made comments. This one guy, I forgot his name, made these comments doing the whole service where he's probably not even saved, but you get all these people in and that's the goal. That's, that's the almighty God just to get people in and numbers and all that. Sure. But the over, not even over, I don't think well, politics has any business in church pro or con, just shut up about the politics Amen. for one. You don't even know what you're talking about. Most likely. Yeah. But just talk about America and they're into politics and they're into, they're big in the Republicans and they're big in the Trump and they're big in the Bush. And these guys are wonderful yeah. and the Supreme court. And we got to get out there and read, 
That stuff is bunk. That's got nothing to do. Show me anywhere where Jesus Christ or Paul or Timothy or Peter did. They didn't do any of that stuff. But that's the first telltale sign. And there are certain churches I know of that are so-called Bible-believing, Ruckmanite, whatever, or once Ruckmanite, that the politics is in there thick and, sin, sure. thick and thin. I was at the, uh, the Hiles Church before, and the pastor's daughters got up in a special and sung Lee Greenwood, who's a probably lost country yeah. singer, uh, I'm proud to be an American where at least I know I'm free. The two girls sung this song from the lakes of Minnesota to the hills of Tennessee, from sea to shining sea. And I'm proud to, and I gladly stand up and they're singing this song in church. I'm like, what is going on here? Yeah. My wife and I were in the choir the Hiles church and they, for a special, they were going to do the battle hymn of the Republic, which is blasphemous non-biblical, written by an atheist. It's teaching post-millennialism. Mine eyes have seen the glory. He's trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. That's, on, that's Revelation 19, <laughs> Isaiah 63. They're saying when the northern troops came down and killed and raped and pillaged and burned houses, they were doing God's work and his truth is marching on. <laughs> so if you're ignorant of that, that's fine. It's just such blasphemous garbage. But those patriotic hymns and the... I know churches will have a guy get up and like give like the political news of the day and how to get the people involved in politics. That's that's a huge telltale sign. I don't know, honestly. I don't know if I can go to a church like that where they're just oh, this huge emphasis. And that, you don't have to be anti-American. Right. I think just say nothing. Amen. Amen. No, and you're right. And uh, so that is uh, a telltale sign of these fundamental Baptist churches, God and Country Day, Pledge of Allegiance. And, you know all this overemphasis. Listen again. I've served in the military. I've served our country. I've went overseas in combat. Amen. And what I did as a pastor, I removed the American flag from the pulpit of Lighthouse Baptist Church. And you say, why? Because I'm not there to worship our country. And I know some of the brethren are going to think that is blasphemous that you remove the flag from the, you know, the, the platform of the church. But this country is a wicked, godless country that's been slaughtering the unborn for years that has destroyed the sanctity of marriage. And, and I'm thankful for this country. Amen. But when I go to church, I want to think about my Savior, Amen. the Word of God, what's pure and perfect. Now, we're not anti-American. No. We pray for our leaders. And, and listen, let me even say this. I got good friends that you know pray with some of the politicians and you know try to influence them. I don't even think there's anything wrong with that. We're talking about bringing this into your worship. You know, again, I if if some of these men don't influence these politicians or at least put pressures on them, the lost world will. So I, I personally, me personally, I have no problem with these men who go and try to meet with the senators and that and pray with them and try to say, hey, we need these things. So be it. But these men that I'm talking about know that's not their ministry. They're just trying to, you know, be a good light to their community. But what you're talking about, Brother Brian, is just this overemphasis of America the flag, the pledge, you know, God and country, this and that. And uh, what God thinks of this country, we're just a drop in the bucket. And again, I'm thankful for our freedom, uh, but uh, I'm there to worship our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, with that said, we fly American flag out front, but it has nothing to do with our service. You know, so again, try to find that balance there. There's a, a comment that popped up, brother. I have to, have to post it. You'll like it. And uh, let's see if we can get this thing to work. Peter. Nah. All right, Peter. Not, not post-Peters. No, not, not. That's double negative. But anyways, what a blessing you brothers are to me. 
You got me overdosing <laughs> on Jesus again. Keep spreading the light. Amen. Brother Peter is a blessing to all of us at Lighthouse Baptist Church. He has a zeal for the Lord. He loves the Lord. He is such a blessing. He's taking the Institute classes. He's always witnessing to people. And Brother Peter, you are a blessing to me and Brother Brian and all those at Lighthouse Baptist Church. All right, let's Amen. close out okay. with <laughs> your litmus test, if you want to say The that. litmus test. Here it is, boys and girls. And we're done. Here's the real test. Let me tell you about Paul. Paul could be the test, but he's not the, he's the ultimate test, of course, in Jesus Christ in the Bible. But I'm going to, I'm going to close with someone else, but I want to mention that Paul was buffeted. He was jailed. He was reviled. This sound like these uh, professional appearances. Everything looks just nice and sweet. No, that's not how Paul was (laughs) defamed, persecuted. Paul was broke. He said, we have no certain dwelling place. He had no house. He was weak. He was despised. He was called a heretic, a ringleader of a sect of the Nazarenes. He was called a pestilent fellow. They said he had, Paul said he had rude speech. He was a street preacher. He was plain. He was contemptible and he had weak appearance. Mm. And it reminds me of somebody. Now here's the litmus test. I got this from Dr. Bill Grady preaching at famous, famous sermon at Crown College, maybe 2006, 2007, somewhere on there. Crown College. He preached a famous sermon in front of thousands of the the student body with Clarence Sexton right there. And he preached on pseudo-King James onlyism. And of course, they are pseudo-King James onlyism. So with the hats off of Dr. Grady's guts, he's preaching on pseudo, that means fake, fake King James. I mean, Tennessee Temple's King James and Crown College is King James. Even Bob Jones University has a placard that I believe might still be there to this day. Use nothing but an authorized version in this pulpit. But the teachers in class tear it up and say it's got mistakes and errors and make fun of Ruckman and call you a Ruckmanite, all that kind of thing. But he talked about pseudo King James onlyism. And he went to the book of Judges where the Benjamites are fighting the other tribes of Israel. And when they went, I don't know, it was with Gideon or something in there. And then when they went to cross this river, I think it meant river. They had a test to see if they were from Benjamin or not, because the Benjamites couldn't say a certain word. So they would have them say Shibboleth, but the Benjamites couldn't frame to pronounce it. And they would say Sibboleth and they had like an accent, a bunch of hillbillies or something. (laughs) So they would kill them. They knew they were fakers. They would try to trick them. And here's what Dr. Grady, and here's what I'm saying in closing with this. Here's how to know, not that you got to be just like him, not that everything's got to be just right. Not that he didn't have mistakes and errors and he, he wasn't perfect, of course. Here's the shibboleth of this fundy. Are you more fundy or are you a diehard Bible believing standing up for the truth? And here's, here's what Dr. Ruck, or Dr. Grady said this man's name. You know what shibboleth or sibboleth is? It's Peter S. Ruckman. There it is. Because that man is rough. He's rude. He's crude. He's a street preacher. People don't like him. Women especially hate him. Dr. Ruckman told me he was at a meeting once. Everything went well. People got saved. Tons of people got saved. And the pastor never called him back. And then a pastor friend told him, you know why they never had you back? Because the wife didn't like you. He said, what are you talking about? Well, when you ate dinner with her, like, what do you mean? She said you were all eating dinner and you were uh, sitting there and your fingers are all greasy and you're, you were eating the chicken bones. <laughs> That's a good reason to get a pre- have, not have a preacher back. That's an effeminate spirit. Yeah. That's so that's the shibboleth, folks. Dr. Peter S. Rockman. Not that you gotta worship the man, not that you gotta be just like him. We met him now and then. We don't shy away from him. We don't worship the guy. We don't teach we teach stuff he doesn't teach or sure. that he didn't agree on. And it's it's not a big deal. But there's your shibboleth, Peter S. Ruckman. The churches that once used to have used to have Dr. Ruckman at their churches, 
They don't want anything to do with him. They don't want to be anything like him. And I think that's what it is. Not that he's the whole center of this, but that's that's a good litmus test right there. Yeah, and, and, and again, it's a good litmus test right there because it's the opposite it's of the professionalism. Huh? It's okay. the opposite of the show. It's the opposite yeah. of everything being perfect. I mean, Dr. Ruckman come in and he forgets to comb his hair and he yeah. you know, spits on his hands or takes yeah. a Mountain Dew and washes it back. And again, we're not suggesting you do that, right. but we're saying yeah. that there's... There's there's something more important than the show. Amen. Amen. There's something more important than the refined look. That's the truth. And like you said, when that man opened the book, Woo. you fell in love with the truth. Yep. And so that's the spirit. Not him. Are you more concerned <laughs> with professionalism? Are you more concerned with what the community thinks? Yeah. Are you more concerned with opinions? Or are you more concerned with pleasing God in this book? Brethren, I'll stick with this book every time. Amen. And it doesn't mean we don't want to do things decently in order and do the best we can, but God help us for turning to turning the church into some show or to some some production. I want to go there and I want to worship the Lord Jesus Christ in spirit and in truth. And that's going to happen by this book. And so uh Hopefully, uh, hopefully we're a blessing to a lot of you. I'm sure some people hated this or will hate this. Repent. <laughs> it's not my job. It's not my purpose, I should say, to make enemies. But I do believe these things need to be discussed. And uh, I think uh, as a pastor, if you're a pastor of a church, you should evaluate your motives. Make sure you're, you love the congregation. God allows you to just the privilege to preach over. Make, your, make sure you're a servant to them. Don't be a lords over God's heritage. And again, yes, we want to fulfill what God wants us to in modest apparel. But please get off the standards. Get off of you know these shallow things. Get into the book. Amen. Teach your congregations the mysteries of God. Teach them how to rightly divide. Teach them about a pre-tribulation rapture and why it must be so. So when these pre-wrath rapture folks walk in your church, they don't just split your congregation because your folks don't know any Bible. And uh, so, again, yeah. I don't know. I'm sure there's something else we could vent about. Yeah, teach them the difference between Israel and the church. Amen. If you just learn that, you don't have to be a dispensational Ruckman, Clarence Larkin. Just study Israel, study the church, the body of Christ, when it began at Pentecost. Know the difference and why the God... Why Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and the things that are current there are still under the Old Testament. It's a simple thing. Learn when the New Testament Amen. started. Book of Hebrews. It's not super deep stuff. And then you can protect yourself against these people trying to come in and all that. Amen. But uh, Dr. Ruckman said if a man wants the truth, he'll take it anyway. He can get it. And if a man doesn't want the truth, it doesn't matter how much you polish it up and how pretty the thing looks, it, it doesn't matter. I'll tell a story It kind of goes hand in hand with what I heard at this conference at Brother Andrews, and I thought it was really good. And he was he was illustrating about how he was a young preacher, and this older preacher wanted to kind of correct him and uh, try to tell him how to do it better. And he, and he called this young preacher over and he said, hey, you know, when you preach, it's like feeding chickens. And the preacher's like, well, thinking, I didn't know the congregation were chickens. <laughs> and he said, yeah, yeah, chickens. He said, you know, you just got to kind of de delicately throw it out there to them so they can eat it. And that preacher said, you know, I started thinking about that. He said, this is what I know about chickens and his country folk. And he said, uh, if the chickens are hungry, you can take a slingshot and shoot mm. at them and they'll still eat that, yeah. that feed. And so that's the idea. Do you want the truth or do you want performance? Uh, I, I'll stick with the truth. So praise the Lord. Uh, as we always say, thank you for joining us on the Word of a King podcast. Until next time, do something for the Lord Jesus Christ. It has been a blessing. Thank you for uh, interacting with us. Like, share, and uh, maybe we'll do this again in the future. Until then, 
God bless. The key to understand the Word of God is for the author to show you what the thing says. If you understand that book, you get for the author. Then he opened their understanding.